Aussie crims head our way. We should be doing the same back to Australia. Bloomfield's cricket freebie. We talked about a range of things. And National's secretive review. Was there any recommendations around leadership? Welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up about the stories that we have been covering on One News. I'm Jessica Much Mackay. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Benedict Collins. So let's start off with our pits, peaks and interesting things for this week. Who would like to start? Go Mikey. Go Mikey, okay then. Um, Look, my peak for the week, let's start high, uh, is the Broadcasting Standards Authority's decision to no longer accept uh, complaints about the use of te reo Māori uh, in broadcasts, and this follows um, the most recent complaint, um, which was to TVNZ. Uh, Someone was complaining about the use of te reo Māori in our news and current affairs programmes, um, and I must say that I was quite proud of the response um, that... Uh, our lawyers uh, obviously put forward to the BSA saying, look, we think that you shouldn't even consider this complaint at all, don't even look at it, because it gives uh, the complainant um, and the issues that they raise uh, undeserved um, attention, essentially. And um, so following on from from that um, most recent complaint to the BSA, they were like, you know what? I think you guys are right, and actually we've decided not to accept any more complaints about the use of te reo. Um, and so I think that's awesome. And just to clarify, um, that obviously doesn't uh, mean that, you know, if there's a breach of standards in terms of someone saying a hakamana paratawana fa with a, um, a couple of expletives at the end of there, uh, that that won't be considered. Um, there's still, you know, the sort of good taste and decency and all of those standards um, to uphold, but using te reo Māori um, won't be um open to complaints anymore. Yeah, a little round of applause for the Broadcasting Standards Authority there. Um, 2021, who knew? Yeah, I mean, it seems like something that should have been done a while ago, but it's good that they've done it now. Mm. Better late than never. Yeah. My peak um, was the um, Harry and Meghan interview. I very, very much enjoyed watching that, and I think that had a bit of a ripple effect that went around the world, so I think um, that was a fascinating watch. Yeah, what did you... What was your take on it? Uh, I think that, um, you know, she shared very openly and honestly. I think that it was obvious that she struggled, and I think that that's a given, um, the, the, sh- the stories that they shared. Um, I think it was really interesting the way that the palace responded um, and kind of said, look, we, we remember things in a, in a different way. So it is very much a he said, she said. Uh, I think that... That stuff needs to be brought to light. It's important, um, and and they felt like it was important to address it. And for an an important establishment like the monarchy, it's important that they that they they say what they what they think. It's a big, powerful machine. Yeah, to me, it was almost like you're kind of hearing similar things to what you might hear if people had kind of escaped glory of ale or you know um, you know where they where they try to leave, they get ostracised, you get cut off, you get punished. You know, they don't contact you anymore. Um, you know, almost kind of cult-like, really. That seems mm. brutal, Benedict. Yeah, that, that was my take. Harsh. Mm. I actually haven't watched it. I've only seen what I've seen on the uh, news, um, so I haven't sat down well, to that's probably right. watch Daniel it. That's so right. Daniel watched it. Daniel Fatale watched it. F- watched it for you. Yeah, and yeah. Then summarised it for you. Yes, but I do was, enjoy his reports. It was just a good interview too, from a from a geeky point of view. It was really interesting. Um, the quite simple questions that were asked. Um, and I just I quite liked the style of did it, it. Did it hold your attention for the two hours? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. I might need to tune into that this weekend. Yeah. 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 And um, I've got a couple of peaks this week, but one was uh, this week we got back um, 
uh, some more information from the housing minister about their uh, progress, progressive home ownership scheme. Uh, turns out they've spent $11,000 making five promotional videos for the housing scheme that has housed 12 families so far. Um, so, yeah, uh, Nationals Nicola Willis um, is thoroughly enjoying this story. Um, you know, and the minister not giving a backward step, insisting that it's um, very important that they promote this scheme that she's confident will eventually um, end up housing between 1,500 to 4,000 um, families that otherwise couldn't get into a home. But, yeah, it is an interesting um, use of PR so early on in a, in a scheme that's barely up and running. I'm just surprised that she thinks they're going to get up to 1,500 and 4,000 given they've only managed to house 12 families. But, you know, everybody loves a target. Uh, but I feel like why advertise the fact that it's only 12? Like, that's just what we keep coming back to. Wait till you get to 100 and then maybe do it as a, hey, look how well we're going and look what d- a difference we've made. But mm. never mind. Um, oh, and um, including a $1,300 piece to camera from the minister. Yeah. That, um, yeah, that she... Says oh, I wow. took me three wish, minutes. Yeah, I wish we had some $1,300 pieces to camera. <laughs> Imagine the lights. Yeah, and she's, yeah. Just, she's a one-take wonder. Mm. So, wow. Um, we, we, we better we hope, better she, doesn't, she, better, yeah. hope yeah. she doesn't get into the um, journalism. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also had another peak, and my peak this week was um, finding out what Dr. Ashley Bloomfield had to drink when he went to a corporate box for the cricket, and I was very satisfied to find out that it was Sprite. I think an interesting choice that he chose a fizzy drink considering he is um, the Director General of Health, but it fulfilled every stereotype that I have of him in my mind and it gave me pleasure to hear that news. I'm just glad he's not a dirty Coke drinker and he's a Sprite drinker. Is that better? I don't know. Hey, well, when, you're, when you've got a cold, uh, right, when you've got a yeah. cold, your mum gives you some lemonade. So um, maybe that's the correlation there. Well, I, I, I hope he wasn't sick of the cricket. No. <laughs> <laughs> Frowned upon. I, yeah. I look forward to talking about that story uh, later in the podcast, though, Jess. Yes, we definitely <laughs> will. Is, is that everyone's pits? And uh, no. I've got, oh, no, I've got, got a, pit. a pit. Yes, yeah. my pit of the week actually goes to the Prime Minister uh, and her decision to pull out of the Mike Hosking breakfast show weekly interviews, I think that it sets a dangerous precedent where we have a Prime Minister who is uh, picking and choosing uh, who she wants to sit down with on the weekly uh, and be grilled by. Mike Hosking is one of the best interviewers in this country. He's got one of the highest rating breakfast shows in this country. Um, And I think it was a poor choice from the Prime Minister. And given the um, explanations that we've heard from her office, one can only surmise that the reason she's made this decision is because they don't really like him that much. Um, and I think, you know, that's that's what I surmise. That's obviously not what she said. Um, but if that is the case, just come out and say it. But, but it's just a missed opportunity because you're talking to a group of people who may not be your traditional target demographic. Um, and it's important to speak to everyone. You are the Prime Minister for all New Zealanders. And, and she and said her, that. Her, her rationale, right, was that, oh, I want to do some you know, other different media that I haven't been focusing on, get out into, into touch with different parts of the community, whatever. But it's, it's only the one the one morning slot that she's cancelled, right? You know, the, what, a 10-minute yeah. interview once a week. That's the only one she's cancelled. So, you know, there's obviously more to the, more to the story and than I what think, they're saying. So I, she I, still is yeah. doing Radio New Zealand, right? And and so, yes, yeah, when you say that's the only one she's cancelled, she's still continuing to do RNZ. Um, and one and News also, and News Hub. And, and One News yeah, and News yeah, Hub yeah, and showing up on the AM show and breakfast and all of those things. And when you say, Jess, that, you know, um, that's a missed opportunity to touch into a wider sort of um, voter demographic as well for her, um, she did say on, on election night, 
that she wanted to be a Prime Minister for all New Zealanders and that audience, which is a large audience, won't be served now. And I think for most people watching this who'll be interested in politics, you'll know that, you know, for studio interviews, for television, you have to physically go in. It's time consuming. You have to schedule it. She rushes in with her group of people, she rushes out, and it has to be very um, highly orchestrated. But with a radio interview um, these days, you can do it in the car on the way to the airport or um, in Cora Club or whatever it is, waiting. Um, and it just seems like the, that if you could fit it in, if that was your priority to do that, you'd mm. make it work. Yeah. So, yeah, really interesting, interesting thing to talk about. And uh, my second peak for the week. Um, so it was a week ago, and we'd had some big earthquakes, and there was a tsunami warning. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we're, we're rolling live coverage, and, and Mikey um, oh, yeah. came out to basically to um, sort of give an update to the audience. Um, and yeah, anyway, things went a little pear-shaped, and Mikey ended up giving herself a birthday shout-out <laughs> uh, live on air as, as New Zealanders all around the country were heading up hills to get away from the tsunami that thankfully didn't come. Um, but we should be able to play you um, a little bit. Shee you guys are going to be earning your weekend. <laughs> that is uh, One News political reporter. <laughs> hey, it's my... <laughs> oh, and don't say it's your Monday because that's that's very dangerous. That's very no, dangerous. it's my it's my birthday weekend. Oh, every time. Thank you so much, Mikey. We will let you um, get away and hopefully, I don't know, get a slice of carrot cake or something like that. I honestly, I thought I had dodged that um, embarrassing blip uh, because I wasn't here uh, or because we didn't, you know, talk about it in last week's podcast. Um, but thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really and, appreciate and you that. had a good birthday, Mikey. Look, I had, I had a great birthday. Thanks. Thank you very much. But yes, look, live coverage. Yeah. Okay, Jack Tame. It was I'm, I blame Jack. He said to me, "Hey, you're earning your weekend, and I'm going live. And all I can think about on the weekend is it's my birthday. We're going to party <laughs> like it's my birthday." And I was like, "Yes, well, it's." And then he interrupted me and. And during that split second in my brain, I was going, don't say it, don't say it. People are waiting up on hills for tsunami. And then I was like, you've got nothing else to say, say it. Yeah. And it just came out. But, and this gives so, you a really uh, good insight into what live coverage is mm, like yeah. for people. You are having to sometimes argue with your brain yes. about well, what brought us. Where are you going with this? We, and then Jack proceeded to sing to her, <laughs> which I also um, it also gave me great joy. So we did spend the rest of the day um, telling Mikey about focusing on her on her birthday. But um, Mikey will be keen for this. Let's segue and pivot away from this story and um, talk about deportees because this has been a big issue that bubbled around later later on in the week. Do you want to kick it off? Yeah, so fascinating. I mean, um, it's, you know, hardly often, if ever, do we ever see, um, you know, uh, a camera a crew able to get down on the tarmac and film deportees as they're being, um, you know, sort of carried into the plane and deported out of Australia coming back to New Zealand this has obviously been a very big sore point for both countries. Um, Jacinda Ardern, you know, really ripped up um, Scott Morrison this time last year when she was over in Sydney standing next to him on the um, press uh, podiums there. Um, everyone will remember that interview. It was pretty much the first time we saw her really fire up. This week, Australia, you know, uh, media broadcasts footage of um, some uh, New Zealanders being kicked back uh, home here if you can call it home. Um, and um, the Home Affairs Minister, Peter Dutton, said it was taking out the trash. And that just sparked a whole hullabaloo of back and forths here uh, with a number of 
our MPs and ministers, and um, it was fascinating stuff. A couple of things I reckon about that. First of all, these criminals are made in Australia, and it seems ridiculous to ship them off home. I, I think that's a given. They go to school, um, go to work, go to um, you know socialise in Australia. They are criminals made there, and it seems ridiculous. The other thing I want to say is that um, when I saw that footage, I think it was really confronting seeing these people getting, you know, getting walking across the tarmac, getting onto a plane, having a camera shoved in their face and an aggressive journalist saying, we don't want you, where are you going? I just think that didn't feel right to me. And, you know, I have a pretty high threshold for that where I do that for a job. That didn't feel, that didn't pass the sniff test for me. How does it feel to be kicked out of Australia? Our country doesn't want you. Are you excited to go home? I just think that that um, felt... Off. And and, well, it's, a, it's a classic case of like punching down, right? Yeah. By the by the reporter. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would have been asking questions like, you know, have you ever been to New Zealand before? Or, you know, when was the last time you stepped foot in New Zealand? Do you know anyone there? Right. It, you know, it just. Um, but, you know, clearly just um, and, going with the government on and that And really interesting, too, that he chose to do that to a woman. Um, I quite liked her response. Yeah, I really appreciated her response. Um, but, you know, you had all of these, um, you know, really um, rough and gruff sort of, you know, um, convicted killers and, and so on. Um, and you've got this male journalist who decides to harangue a female um, who's already vulnerable, you know, in cuffs on the way, shipping back to a country. I just thought that was, that was poor form from that guy. Mm. And he obviously got a sweet deal getting on the tarmac as well, so I wonder if that was all part of it, but who knows. What was really interesting, though, is when um, we put it to Chris Hipkins, your question was, you know, what do you make of Peter Dutton saying this? And Chris Hipkins, and your question was, what do you make of him saying um, that these guys are garbage? And he responded back and said, oh, well, we're effectively getting their, was it trash or their rubbish? No, so I said, what do you make of Peter Dutton calling deportees trash? Yeah. And then Chris Hipkins says, um, look, this is Australia's garbage. Yeah, and then and then we were all like, ah, so just to clarify, you're now calling them garbage. You're happy with the term and garbage, then, trash? And then you could just see Chris Hipkins' eyes. I said, oh, look, Minister, just to clarify, is it appropriate for you to label them in the same way? And he was like, oh, I perhaps should have chosen a better word. But he was like, but I was just echoing back the question that I was asked so you could just see him who's been talking about COVID-19 for the last, you know, year and suddenly wades into another topic and it just, um, you know, you could just see that it was a poor... It Poor choice really, of words, but you get his sentiment. Yeah, yeah, I totally, I, I totally don't think it was. Um, I, th- I don't think there was any malice behind it or anything like that from him. I think he was, yeah, like he he was saying that he was simply reflecting back the question. But um, I thought it was interesting Rawiri Waititi sort of calling for uh, an apology from Dutton, um, saying that a number of um, of these deportees uh, will have whakapapa Māori and that they are not trash. And then I put to him, look, well, some of these guys though, are, you know, convicted killers, um, you know murderers, um, child abusers, and he said, yes, but they're human beings. And I think that's the whole point of it. It's not to negate um, the criminality um, of, of, of what you know they've done in the past. It's simply that calling people trash is, 
is, is unnecessary, um, especially from you know the likes of uh, a minister. And I think that's the point that um, everyone was making, and and, and that um, denouncement of of that language. Yeah. Um, also worth remembering that not all of the people who come back are convicted criminals. That some of them just fail the good character test um, that is set down by Australia. And just for some stats, since March. Um, 2020, so March last year, we've had 300 deportees returned from Australia, and when they get here, they go into a dedicated Central Auckland quarantine facility where they do their 14 days. Yeah, uh, really interesting stuff and a really interesting topic and I think an interesting insight. So let's segue now to talk about COVID, just for a little bit of a change. But this week was a little bit different because um, our our saintly um, Dr Bloomfield mm-hmm. came out and Wrote, had a statement saying, look, I feel like, you know, I I, I was wrong. Um, I went along to this cricket game. I, ex- I accepted the freebie and the vaccine was talked about for the players getting early access to that. Uh, I shouldn't have gone. I've now paid back the tickets for that and a couple of other games he attended last year. And I think that him coming out and saying that, um, it, you know, it's a it's a... It's a story, um, and I think you've got to be. It's a perception issue, and I think you know sometimes people will say, "Oh, look, it's just a cricket game," and da da da. But there's a perception issue here, and you have to be squeaky clean. That you have to be able to say, um, "I no one is getting any preferential treatment. No one's getting my ear more than someone else." And in this situation, it just didn't feel right. Um, so I think you know a little bit of a. Um, a little bit of a harsh reminder for Dr. Ashley Bloomfield about, you know, being in the public eye and being that public figure. Yeah, I think he got played by, and I think he probably realised he got played by New Zealand cricket. You know, they'd invite him along into the box to watch the cricket, then said, hey, do you want to come down, meet, meet the players, get into the changing room, and then hit him up about trying to get these guys, you know, vaccines ahead of ahead of schedule. Um, but, you know, it was interesting because he, he initially defended it and said, oh, no, I was there in my, um, you know, Capacity as a private individual, it's like it's pretty clear you weren't. Um, but he he did um, he he also has accepted tickets to the rugby in the past. Mm-hmm. I think he's um, admitted that was wrong as well. He said he won't do this ever again. Um, he he realises it's inappropriate, and he refunded the value of those tickets. Well, didn't refund them, but he put the value of those tickets and gave it to Wellington City Mission as uh, well to try and make amends. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out that I don't think anyone is accusing him of being swayed no. by this. You go along to a cricket game and you, um, you know, oh, suddenly you change your mind. I don't think that's the case here, but it's the perception that's issue. That's right. He put himself a in a position where this could become a Yeah, a, would become, a become an right? issue. Yeah. And I think you've got to be, and that's politics. And that's that's the game where it's it can be unfair sometimes, but you, you've got to make sure that it looks right. And it, it didn't in I this can't case. believe he didn't know that he shouldn't have taken any of those tickets and that they um, probably didn't sit well within the rules of chief executives. Like, he should have known that, no excuses. Um, And actually, let's remember, he gets paid a whole bunch. Mm. So he can buy his own tickets. I mean, I I agree um, that he's he's done enormous um, amounts of work and great work, and I would totally support him going to watch the cricket and rugby and all of that. But the the perception is is a real issue. Having um, the ear of the Director General is a real issue and he should have known better and he gets paid enough to buy his own tickets. I think it's about the corporate box too and just watching it alongside the, you know, Cricket New Zealand. 
one thing that was interesting this week, though, was um, dealing with some of those sports teams. So we reasonably exclusively in here deal with politicians and presecs and who know, you know, it was interesting dealing with some of the um, cricket team and the Olympic Committee and things who perhaps aren't quite used to this kind of story. Like, I think they're, they're used to dealing with media and things like that, but this is a different kettle of fish, and it was quite an interesting insight just... Um, you know, politi- I think we have a pretty combative um, relationship with press secretaries and things, but it, you understand each other and it, no one takes anything personally and everyone moves on. And I think it was interesting just dealing with some of the sports teams that, um, you know, would rather run a mile from a story like this where it, rather than address it and front up and 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 deal with it. So it was it was quite interesting and, dealing with that this week. And they do need to front up also because shame on Cricket New Zealand for doing that one and shame on them for putting Ashley Bloomfield in that position as well. They need to take shoulder some of that responsibility. Important to there. note that the Black Caps did win the series though. Thanks, thanks Benedict. That's really useful. Um, let's move on to um, the national review. I feel like my segues are, are really off. I haven't managed to cleverly segue anything. I'm having mm. a bad bad week. Sorry about that team. But um, talking of bad weeks, let's go to the <laughs> National Party with their not so great review. Yeah, look, bad week or bad year, you could argue both. Um, uh, so look, uh, uh, earlier this week, uh, the National Party Board uh, concluded its internal review into what went wrong at the election. It was obviously a bloodbath and they needed to find out um, where they went wrong and where they can do better. Uh, uh, Peter Goodfell um, didn't want to answer any questions on the way into caucus, which, number one, is highly unusual for him. Usually, every time he comes to caucus, if we want to ask him something, um, it's even been, you know, some tough tough issues around leadership in the past. He's always been happy to front. This time, he wouldn't even stop for us, so that was unusual. Um, and also, the board decided not to give uh, the uh, report to the uh, MPs um, and just gave them a condensed version, and um, they've established a way in which that they can provide feedback to that. Some of the um, party membership aren't happy with um, the fact that they won't be able to see the full report um, and there are questions as to why the report isn't being released. What do you think, Jess? Oh, I just think that seems ridiculous. Like, if you do a report that you all need to sit back and reflect on yourselves, you need to share that report and you need to thrash it out and be honest about it. And the fact that, I mean, imagine if we did a review into how we function and how we performed and I just said, oh, yeah, guys, we did. You we can't did, see it. Okay, but you can't see it. Like, it's just, it's it's ridiculous. And, and if you don't have that trust there, and, and the reason they didn't share it is because they knew that it would leak to the media. So here's an idea. Share it with the media. Do you know what I mean? Like, just... Can, if you, this is your full stop in your election campaign. Share it, get it done, be done with it, and not having to scurry around in the darkness and the shadows over it. But uh, I think it raises the point too, right? If, if the National Party Board doesn't trust National Party MPs to hold a copy of a report of a review into their election defeat, I mean, you can't seriously expect the public to vote for these people to run the country, can you? If your own board doesn't trust them enough to hold a report. Mm. I mean, but, it's not a big sign of faith in their, in their current MPs, is it? No, it's not. But it also, if if that's the case, then jump ahead of that. Like, if you yeah. don't want the story about the report leaking, which would have come, 
then get around that. So, so yeah, so we don't really know what was in the report. Um, but Mikey did have a good interview with Willie Jackson um, <laughs> earlier this week, who had quite a lot of theories um, about what might be in it. Um, it he was quite good, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. Now, um, my memory evades me at this present time. He, uh, was he thought saying, they are arrogant, out of touch with New Zealand. <laughs> he added some really um, constructive criticism <laughs> yeah, yeah. in there, which oh, was great. Uh, yeah, yeah, so he pretty much um, filled in the blanks there, actually, for all those uh, National Party MPs. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But see, this story makes me laugh so much because it is so ridiculous that they didn't um, provide it to the MPs. I mean, I wouldn't provide it. Uh, on the base of it, base on the, on the face of it, of course you wouldn't give that to them because, of course, it would leak because they leak like sieves. They've been leaking like sieves since the election. Well, you know, during the election, they were leaking like sieves. And so the trust has eroded there, but it will eventually come out. So you're right, Jess, they should have front-footed it and released it to the media themselves and just sort of managed that. How much worse can it be than what the election uh, result was, which was it was very, 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 very yeah. bad? Yeah. Um, the, I, I wonder, actually, if this is the National Party board and leadership um, covering their own backsides, um, especially Peter Goodfellow. He has been the consistent person in that leadership um, realm uh, throughout the election. You could say Judith Collins, she came in, you know, hot and fast near the end there, um, so wasn't really around for long enough to really sort of, um, you know, have been a consistent factor in terms of the need to have plans in place, systems in place. But Peter Goodfellow was there the whole time. What sort of leadership? did he provide clearly not enough and not good enough and so is he you know sort of covering himself by not releasing or the report is that what the report showed and let's see and let's see and Judith Collins and um, Jerry Brownlee we know that they did some stuff up during the campaign we know that you know Judith Collins herself said that she could have done things better and maybe she shouldn't have said that to Lofa um, and so perhaps they are covering <laughs> themselves as well is this the leadership who has the report holding on to the report because it doesn't look too good for them. Was it yeah, but also, you I, I just don't understand why, why you wouldn't come out and basically be open with the public. Because and, it and, could and, show and, that. And, and give them the rundown. It could of, show that there was a lack and, of leadership, a huge failure in leadership, and that would spark cause, one, for Judith Collins and two, for Peter Goodfellow. So write it out on front foot it. Yeah. Present your view, you know. Or let, here's because an idea. Because otherwise the story the, drags on. Yeah, and, and, on, and or and on and on. Get, the, get the report to come out before Christmas, get it done and start 2021 properly. Do you know what I mean? Like the report should have been done. Like they should have hustled and, put and it got. You. Mm. Yeah, and put yeah. it behind you. Yeah, they should have done it before Christmas. Yeah. But talking about putting it behind us, we will finish and put this podcast behind us too. That was the best segue ever. Thanks, Mikey. I need my chair, Scott. Um, that, this was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we have been covering. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. It's available each week on One News Online. And check us out on your favourite podcasting apps. We'll see you next week. <laughs>